Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99 at participating U.S. restaurants. Price may vary. There's the idea that they want to continue running the team the way that they said, oh, well, I could be the coach one day. KD could be the coach one day. Yeah. Nash could be the coach. I mean, it's like there's nothing around the culture of the Nets that suggests they're poorly championships. coached, though. And then, you agree? And then, Just as an aside, they're, they're a poorly coached team, right? How can you properly evaluate Steve Nash off the last two years and the guys going in and out of the lineup and the personalities that he's been charged with managing? I mean, he hasn't had he hasn't had his full team. So it's, it's like, if, you know, you can't win for losing if you're Steve Nash because if you win with all this talent well, you just you're just riding the bus. If you lose with this talent, yeah. somebody got to take the fall. Well, 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 here we are, Jim Trotter. Here we are. Brother from another that was from April. That was from April. I believe it was after uh, the Nets were swept by the Celtics or they were about to get swept by the Celtics. April of 2022 and so much has happened since then. Like, like Trotter, here we are November 1st, 2022 April to November. So in April slash May, Kevin Durant was asking about Steve Nash. Durant asked about Steve Nash said, Oh, no, he's doing a great job. How can you evaluate Steve Nash? He sounded like Michael Smith talking about Steve Nash can't evaluate him. He's doing a great job. That was in April or May. A couple of months later, Kevin Durant was telling ownership. Hey, either pick me or this crew because we can't coexist. That's just a couple of months later. Then we're still not to November yet. Kevin Durant says, nah, nah, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I'm going to make it work here in Brooklyn. Steve Nash, Sean Marks, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, they all pretended that it was cool. And here we are, November 1st. The owner said, no, I'm not going to pick between you and and the front office. I'm going to pick the front office. That was over the summer. Today... The, 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 I was about to call them New Jersey. They deserve to be called the New Jersey Nets. The Brooklyn Nets, who have no backbone whatsoever, once again, once again, went against what they said they stood for. They did not defend Steve Nash. They sacrificed Steve Nash on the Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving altar. So they win. Nash loses. He's out of a job. And the Brooklyn Nets very soon, Jim Trotter, are going to name, it looks like, Ime Udoka as their head coach. (laughs) Like, come on. There are 8 million stories in the city. 8 million and 10. Wait, I don't disagree with you often, but I am going to disagree with you on this one. Okay, let's hear Steve Nash doesn't lose in this. He wins. He gets out of one of the most dysfunctional situations in the NBA or professional sports. I don't know anyone who would want to be involved in that situation um, for a number of reasons. <laughs> well, yeah, he, he made, yeah. Well, I'm not even going to go there. I'm going to leave that one and, alone. And right, for he a got his own. He got his yeah. own issues, right? Exactly. Go I'm, I'm going to leave that one alone for a minute. But if you're Steve Nash and you know right away that you don't have the backing of the number one player on your team, a league superstar, etc., coming into this season, that's one thing. Then you got to deal with Kyrie and everything that he is bringing to the table 
which does not include winning basketball games. As you know, in professional sports, teams will put up with an awful lot. And, and, and I will italicize that. I will capitalize it. I will bold it, everything. They will put up with a lot if your talent allows them to win games. So the Nets presumably have all this talent and they're not winning games. And then it's one thing after another. So if I'm Steve Nash, like I'm excited to get out of this thing. And so when you look at their statement and they say they have parted ways with Steve Nash, I'm not a basketball guy in terms of knowing the insider stuff, but I got to believe Steve Nash was like, either let me out of this or thank you for getting me out of this because this is a blank show. It, it really is. And it remains one. It mm -hmm. remains one. I mean, I, I didn't even I didn't even include all the information, all the things that happened with Steve under Steve Nash's two year tenure. It must feel like, you know, you all, you look at no matter what, no matter what I know I'm, I'm wearing a, a presidential shirt today. Uh, shout out. Uh, shout out for the uh, uh, Barack Obama national portrait. Barack and Michelle Obama It's really, really well done. Beautiful artistry here. But no matter who you're talking about in the presidency, whether it's a Democrat or a Republican, they're those before and after pictures for a reason. They go in looking so <laughs> ambitious, so fresh faced, so full of the having the audacity of hope. Uh, Barack Obama, they just have so much that they want to accomplish and they come out and they look like hell. I mean, they're big they they wrinkles that they never had before. Hair is gray. They look just really disheveled at times at the end. And Steve Nash must feel like that was 12 years or 10 years, not two. Think about yeah. Jim. Dog Think about years, all man. the things that happened. He took when he got the job. He just had to worry about KD and Kyrie. And that's what we're talking about today. We just ignored the James ben Harden, Simmons. the very slim ben Simmons. James Harden era. Yeah. And now ben the Simmons. Ben Simmons era as well. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's look, I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to curse like Michael did on the show, you know, talking about his fantasy team, but it is a it's, it's still early, you know, it's I know still early. You might. It isn't. <laughs> I don't think so, but it's an issue. It, look, it's funny how people try and change the narrative. So um, Kyrie wants to be here, right? Kyrie wanted out and Kyrie found out that there was no market for him. KD wants to be here, right? KD found out that the Nets weren't going to give him up unless they got what they wanted, which was a King's ransom. So now he wanted to be here. You know, Steve Nash can say he wanted to be here, but I'm telling you, Michael, after you read that statement, I got to believe that this definitely was a mutual parting of the ways because Steve is like, you know what? I'm, I'm good financially. You know, I got a family. I don't need to deal with these children and their problems. And that's what the right. Nets act like a lot of times are straight up children, man, not professionals. But okay. And, and this is a question I have for because uh, we're bringing Vinny Goodwill. You're right. You say Steve Nash believes he doesn't have to deal with the children and their problems. The question is, who are the children? Because it was the Brooklyn Nets who initially it's all said, of them. Uh, all right, all the Brooklyn Nets initially said, "Hey, Kyrie, no, you're not going to play unless you're vaccinated." Well, wait a minute, we got a, we got players dropping now. Uh, uh, okay, I guess you can play now. Hey, Kyrie, we don't want this to happen. Uh, 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 Kevin Durant, you can't run this team. We're going to side with our management team. We have no issues with them. 
Oh, well, um, okay, we're two and five. Bye, Steve Nash. Who are the children in this case? Uh, Vinny Gilbert, yeah, but, but look, Sports. Wait, yeah, Vinny will speak to this in one sec. But what do they say about a fish? It rots from the head down. And I say that about any organization in professional sports. If you don't have good leadership at the top, and I'm going all the way to ownership, and during my time yes. in the NFL and whatnot, if you do not have good leadership from the top who stand for something, the chances of your organization succeeding long-term or consistently are almost nil. And so when I look at the Nets problem, it's easy for us to focus on Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons and James Harden or even Steve Nash. To me, this starts even above them. It is all the way at the top. Again, when you don't stand for something, as the saying goes, you will fall for anything. And the Nets have allowed this to happen. I'm sorry, Vinny, the floor is yours. No, no, Jim, that, that's a great way to start because one person or a group of people we haven't put into focus in this is Joe and Claire aside. Like, you know, sometimes we say the best NBA owners are the ones that are not, that are not seen or heard from. They just let the people that they, they empower do their jobs. Sometimes you have to come down from that ivory tower and establish something, establish a core set of values, establish a core set of behaviors. And I'm not sure what their core behaviors are. What is the Nets MO right now? What as an organization can you say that they stand for on the floor or off the floor? It, before it was always players first. You know, it was about all the technology with Kenny Atkinson and, you know, you're monitoring everything that the players are doing. So you're maximizing this very try-hard team, which became very attractive to the likes of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And then once you let them in your building, they come and take it over. And then you're wondering, you're hoping that they're bringing with them some of that championship DNA. It has not happened. Guys, if if this hiring happens with Ime Udoka, do you want to guess how many head coaches Kyrie Irving will have had in his 12 years as an mm. NBA player? I'm take gonna a, guess take 12. a wild mm. guess. 12. Not 12. But you're only saying 12 because I said he spent 12 years in the league. <laughs> that's right. That's it. That's my only reason. Right. I'm going to say 15. No, no, no that was lower. funny. It's, it's nine. It's lower. Nine head coaches. And the only one of those nine that we can tell, you know what? They got a lot out of him or you maximized everything you could out of him was Teron Lou. And that's because you had LeBron James as the leader yeah. of that organization so that Kyrie could not be exposed to his own devices and let that permeate through the rest of the team. Now you've got Kyrie Irving trying to be leader guy. Now you've got Ime Udoka coming in here with everything that he's got going. And make no mistake, I just realized this, having Love Jones on on a sweatshirt. I was going to say, not a thank you. It, I thought I just you did it on it, purpose. I, I, I wanted, it, it was not on purpose. I literally just thought about it. I thought like, you did it on purpose. Have... I'm like, oh, man. It's actually a method, man, lyric. It says, I got a Love Jones for your body, your skin tone, but Love Jones is sort of highlighted. It's more well, Method Man. Shout than, out, than shout me out Method Man and Mary J. Great song. Mary so, J. And so, yeah. Man. So, my question, just in general, is what in the hell is going on? Because honestly, I think the Nets have no present or no future, no matter who they hire. Agreed. All right. So, but what do you, Vinny? If you had to, uh, and it's tough to boil all this down because there's just so much junk and so much, uh, so much stuff swirling around, you know, Planet Brooklyn. Uh, when you just really think about this this team, do you think it was two and five? Would it? Can you reduce it to two and five? Was it Kyrie going back and forth with the media 
and and maybe Steve Nash saying I can't control this. Uh, was it just a matter of time anyway? It was it, it whether it five and two or two and five it was going to happen. Like you had to break it down. Like why, why today is I guess is what I'm getting at. Why today? Okay, y'all both have covered the NFL. Y'all both are NFL veterans. If a coach is fired after two games. He was fired before the season started, right? He just didn't realize it. Like, you're not going to let a seven-game sample size, which is less than 10% of an 82-game NBA season, color your perspective, especially when we look at the Clippers struggling and Golden State struggling, and everything just sort of looks topsy-turvy right now because it's so early in the season. Steve Nash was doomed from the moment that Kyrie Irving said, you know what? We don't really need a coach. You can be the coach. (laughs) I can be the coach. Pick a coach from the stands. You're not respecting the position, let alone the figure of the person who's there. And Steve Nash was learning a lot on the job. That's not a position with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving where you can learn on the job because those two are, it's hard to coach them even on a good day. It was hard for Steve Nash to coach them. Hard for Brad Stevens to coach them. You're talking about premier coaches and they had a hard time in getting through the number. And now you're going to hire Ime Udoka because maybe he sprinkled some of his magic juice on the Celtics last year post-January and turned that thing around. But this ain't the same outfit. This this is... Thank you. I was thinking the same thing. (laughs) Thank you, Michael. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't mean it. I, I know I'm, I'm good for double entendres, but I promise yes, that was are. not my intention on that one. Ime Udoka gave, gave the Celtics some of his magic, and after January, they looked like the best team in the NBA until the finals. The Nets are hoping for something similar. The problem is that roster ain't good. No matter what type of level of experience that Steve Nash had or doesn't have, he wasn't going to be able to get more out of that roster because that roster ain't good. Kevin Durant is averaging 30-plus a game. So is Kyrie Irving, and you're still 2-5 and and barely won last night. You don't have wings worth a damn. You don't have bigs who are big guys. You have tall guys, not big guys, and you need that in today's game, at least to protect the rim. There's so many fundamental basketball issues with this roster. We can't even talk about it because everything else is toxic. And add to the fact like this, guys, Steve Nash probably would have been fired on Sunday if we weren't having a completely different discussion about Kyrie Irving on Sunday morning. Mm. Mm. Vinny, how does it work if it is um, Udoka? What happens? I mean, because clearly, as you've just outlined, this is not something that's going to change overnight if in a year or two. So what hap- what happens when he comes in, if he comes in? Jim, I think you said it yourself. You said it right before he came on when you said, you know, Kyrie Irving said he wants to be here when, no, he figured out that nobody else wanted him. And Kevin Durant, I still believe once. I, there's nothing that I have seen that would have led him to believe that his thoughts over the summer have changed over the course of a 2-5 and five start and a firing of a head coach. Like, one thing basketball players do, now, they may be a little dysfunctional, when it comes to certain things, but they know bad basketball when they see it. They're not, if, if they're saying, you know what, this ain't a good this ain't a good brew, you tend to kind of believe them. Guys are usually more optimistic. And if Kevin Durant looked at, looked at this roster, plus the possibility of Ben Simmons, who has, you know, now has knee problems, and said, hey, this isn't really it, I don't think Ime Udoka is going to be able to fix that. There are fundamental issues right. on this roster. That This just lets me know that Sean Marks and the Brooklyn Nets 
are absolutely desperate. And one person who I would love to know her thoughts, Clara Sai, because she has been at the forefront of so many different issues, especially as far as funding women's sports and funding, funding women's sports initiatives. What does she think about the hiring of this? How many, you know, how many, you know, hoops that they have to jump through to get an okay from her to hire Ime Udoka, no matter what you think about his situation in Boston, the stench of that is on him. The perception of that is on him and the organization is going to have to answer that. So now you're, you're looking at being viewed as an anti-Semitic organization because you're not punishing Kyrie Irving and now you're against women and you've already had problems selling tickets and you're not winning games. I don't see the upside in any of this. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a great point, Benny. Uh, look, Jim and, and, and Benny, if you want to if you if you want to figure out who the Brooklyn Nets are, this is who they can model themselves after. Not not the Las Vegas Raiders, the Oakland Raiders. They're the Oakland Raiders of the of the NBA where they go. They are so counterculture and so dysfunctional that maybe they just brand themselves as hey, we are this out. No, hold up, hold up. And we go, no, we, we go no. do things in a different way. Maybe. No. I don't know. No. Jim, Jim, I, I know, Jim, I know, Jim. I know, no. I know no. Jim. Me, say, Jim, yeah, yeah. Say, let me tell you, how, I know how well I know Jim Trotter. I'm going to tell you why you're resisting that. Because Jim Trotter, you're resisting because you know that Al Davis hired the first modern African-American head coach in no. Art Shell, and he has done no. some good, he did some good things. But why are you resisting? Tell me why. Not it at all. What you say about Al Davis is absolutely true, but that's not the reason I resist it. As a Bay Area guy, I'm a resisted fundamentally. I'm going to say this to you. The Oakland Raiders, for all of the issues that the outside world think they have, did they take everybody's cast-offs, troublemakers, whatnot? Yes. And when they brought them in, what did they do? They won. They won. They adhered to, they adhered to a culture that said, as John Madden and Al Davis allowed them, do what you do during the week. I just need you to show up on Sunday and be accountable to everybody around you. And what did they do? They did that. They won a Super Bowl in every decade, 70s, 80s, 90s. That was the Raiders. So to compare them to the Brooklyn Nets, the 90s, I think though. it's... They missed the 90s. I, 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 I'm going to say this to you again. I think it's unfair to compare mm -hmm. them to the Brooklyn Nets because the Brooklyn Nets haven't won ish, okay? Right. Those teams, those Raiders Look, teams won, period. That's a fair point. I, it's a fair point. I was looking at it from a cast off a point of view only, but in totality, that's a poor, that is a poor analogy, Michael Holly. Do better. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Let me let, let me let me strike it since it's caused so much. And, and I'm all about bringing people together here. It's all about unity. No. Uh, so <laughs> since it has caused such discord, I'm going to strike it from the record uh, and, and say this though: their dysfunction, whatever their dysfunction level is just went up a notch because sure. they bring in Ime Udoka. That's fine. Ime is a terrific coach. He's a better head coach than than Steve Nash. If you're just looking at in a vacuum coach versus coach, I'll take Ime over Nash, but we're not sure. looking at it in a vacuum. So what does this is this? I, I'm, I'm going to this is going to sound crazy. Ime doesn't have a job right now. He's suspended for a year. His name right now is mud in the NBA, Vinny. But is this uh, all that being said? Not. Is this a good move for him? Is this okay. the job to take? Is this a good job? What other job is there for him to take? Not, right now, none. But maybe it's better to sit 
and no, wait they, for a better no. opportunity than to go to the Brooklyn Nets right uh, now. Okay. Can I think about it? Go ahead, go ahead Jim. No, I, I was, no, was going to say, go ahead, Jim. Go ahead, Jim. You got it. No, my question to Michael is simply going to be, the question to me becomes, what are the expectations of Brooklyn Nets ownership? If he may comes in, are they expecting him to turn this thing around and win right now with what they have? Or is there going to be an understanding on the two sides that you know what? This just doesn't work and we've got to tear this thing down and start over. That would be the question yeah. I would have right off the top. It's a well it's a well structured question, but you're talking about the ownership of the Brooklyn Nets. Whatever they tell you ain't worth the paper <laughs> it's printed on or worth the conversation that it was said in. They're not gonna play. They're terrible. It's terrible. What do, they say, what do they say, Michael? That's why you get it in writing. Get it in writing. Okay. What do you think? I, I think. I think I'm it's. Just, I'm messing with you. Man. No, that gives you. I think it's unfair to expect Ime Udoka to turn this thing around. Absolutely. You're right. He's a better coach. But the one thing the Celtics had, they had a level of organizational structure on the floor and in their building. Now, granted. You can say he tested that organizational structure with some of his behaviors, but they had it so, to where nobody found out about it until they were ready to suspend him and to say, is there a better job for him to take? What a, you you tell me what world we live in as black men where you, where you mess up your good job, your really good job, and embarrass a flagship franchise like the Boston Celtics and come out on the other side smelling like a rose. Only in a desperate situation like the Brooklyn Nets would Ime Udoka get another job. We've been hearing rumblings about this since the start of training camp that they were enamored right. with him because they yeah. had him in their building two years ago when he was an assistant for that first year, when he was a lead assistant during that year. So I'm not surprised. And what other job, if you're a coach, the one thing you want is some level of top-level talent. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving on paper are top level talent. And you believe you're a better coach than Steve Nash. So you're going to think I can turn this thing around. I just turned around the Boston Celtics after we had a slow start and we were stuck in the mud for a couple of seasons at the, at the tail end of Brad Stevens' tenure. There's going to be a little bit of arrogance from a coaching standpoint. Plus he knows these guys and he's going to think that he can be that strong figure that is worthy of Kyrie Irving's respect except no figure has proven himself worthy to be of Kyrie Irving's respect unless you are on YouTube or Amazon Prime. Oh, See, and that's where Vinny... Well, but this is exactly where I was going to um, agree with Vinny on this point. If, if Ime believes that, then to me, from a basketball standpoint, he is not as smart of a basketball coach that I believe that he is. Kyrie, nobody has gotten through to Kyrie. Nobody. And, and to pick up now where we're at, where we have a guy who's putting out things, you know, um, and he can say that he's not supporting Alex Jones and whatnot, but Kyrie has not had to answer to anybody on this from an organizational standpoint. So if he may thinks he's going to come in and turn Kyrie around, he just best not take the job because that's not happening. It's not happening. Well, if they, guess what? If there's one thing that you can say, if there's a team that you want to go to, where you want to hide your mess, 
because you're in someone else's mess and people kind of forget, <laughs> why not yeah. go hang around the Brooklyn Nets, baby? Because guess what? That's Kyrie right. Irving's going to say something or do something or not show up to work and people will forget about affairs that you had or your other activities because there's something a whole lot more pressing in real time. And we you, haven't even got we haven't even got to the point. How long before Kyrie decides? You know, I don't want to show up for work because we know it's well, gonna happen. It's, it's coming. coming. The staycation oh, is coming. Oh, a full moon. Yeah, oh yeah, uh, no, no lunar eclipse. Something like that is gonna make this dude say, "I don't feel like going." I'm surprised he played yesterday because it was Halloween. I was shocked <laughs> that this man showed up to work, and now he's gonna be like Boney T and Boomerang. Remember Boney T at the beginning? He was like, "I've been on time most of the time, even when it rains." Ain't it about how we talk promotion? How you know Kyrie Irving ain't asking to be the head coach? Because he's shown them a seven games of attendance. How do we know that? Uh, we don't. Now, let me ask you this. In all seriousness, in all seriousness. Uh-oh. Where is the commissioner of the NBA on this issue? When you have, it, it's like Kyrie was given the, he was given the grace, the, the grace that he was given from everybody was, Okay, here you go. Here's an opportunity to explain yourself. So here's the grace. We'll let you explain yourself. You'll say you're sorry. You'll say you didn't want to hurt anybody and uh, that, that the message was lost and you'll take care of it. He didn't do that. He doubled down. A man talked about having an army behind him when he's accused of being an anti-Semite. He says he's got an army behind him. He's got $4.3 million, million Twitter followers. And he says he's got an army behind him. Yeah, you got an army, and some of them are half crazy. So where's the commissioner? Some. Some. Yeah. Okay. A lot of them. I ain't gonna say all of them. Because some when he says army, that's a dog whistle. That's a dog mm -hmm. whistle to people who say, yes, Kyrie, you're right. And everything he says and everything he promotes, whether he knows it or not, winning, uh, intentionally or unintentionally promotes, those people are right there with them. They were with them on the vaccine. They're with them on 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 this on these tropes that he's promoting. Why, Vinny? Why hasn't the commissioner said or done something? That dog is barking. That dog is whacking. That dog is doing a whole lot right now, isn't it? And I will tell you this: we as three black men. If we were the commissioner of any sports league and someone said something to the equivalent of being anti-black, what would we think? Oh, we got to get this dude out of here now. Adam Silver. You mean like, <laughs> like slavery was a choice? Like like slavery yeah. was... Look, it's, yeah. hard, it's, it's hard to differentiate Kanye from Kyrie, ain't it? At this point, it's really, really hard to, to differentiate. And the timing is so peculiar, right? It just seems really, really weird and awkward that all this is happening one week before some other things are supposed to happen. But I'll just let that, I'll just let that be. If I'm Adam Silver, and Adam Silver in the NBA League office issued a statement, but they didn't name Kyrie by name, right? They, 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 they kind of walked it a little bit. They're trying to give him a little grace while also knowing what type of league they're in while also realizing that they've had players who've said some things that have gone against the pale, not necessarily anti-Semite, but 
some religious, some strong religious things that can be interpreted a certain way. You know, I'm sure you get like, I remember, you know, people can remember Charlie Ward some years ago saying some things that ruffled some feathers and rubbed people the wrong way a couple of decades ago. So maybe that being the precedent, along with Kyrie only tacitly endorsing it, sort of throwing a rock and high in his hand, as opposed to truly defending what he's saying, that's a hard precedent for the league to come in and suspend them. Although I'm sure there are a lot of people who want to suspend them. Adam Silver is giving Kyrie a lot of grace that I'm not sure that Kyrie Irving deserves or even appreciates. Even if you're not going to suspend him, why not name him by name? That's a great question, Joe. Because you know what? The Brooklyn Nets didn't name him either. And when, when, when Joe Sy made his statement, I think, I believe, that the league would have loved to have a sit down with Kyrie Irving, pull him into the office on a Sunday or whenever, you know, it was Sunday that the first day, uh, Saturday was the press conference. I believe that Kyrie Irving might've been called into the league office on Sunday morning to have a discussion. And because Kyrie has no back down, that's why he did not talk to the media yesterday because he's not ready to bow down. He's not ready to say that he, you know, apologizes for anything. I'm, I think the league is trying to give him a little, a little more of a lack of a better phrase, a little more grace and a little more of a leash to try to get him to understand before really coming down on him. Because I'll mm. tell you what, where else can Kyrie Irving play if it does not work in Brooklyn? That's a good question. Well, Vinny, uh, we appreciate you, man. This situation uh, is is still fluid. As we, it is fluid always because fluid. we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. I was going to ask match. Jim, why did the Lions trade their tight end? They're starting tight end in the division. And why the Green Bay Packers haven't gone out and gotten the wide receiver for Aaron Rodgers? You I was going to ask Jim Charlotte that today. You got to ask Charlotte about mean, the Lions? Huh? Hold on. I talking about the Lions. More, wait, no, what I'm more concerned about We just about talking about the, the Brooklyn Nets? How do you and fire Aubrey Pleasant? How do you fire Aubrey Pleasant? You trying to save your own butt? Dan Campbell. Aubrey Pleasant is a damn good coach, respected by his players, who has brought out the best in players wherever he has been. And you gonna put this on him? You gonna fire Jeff him? Okuda. Because you yes. couldn't contain Jalen Waddle and Tariq Hill. Newsflash: Nobody's stopping those. Nobody. Dudes. But the Lions. But the Lions are like DB coach. You're going overboard. Only the Detroit Football Lions. What's what? What no, does Ford stand Lions. for, Michael Holly? What does Ford stand What's for? That? Found on road dead. That is the Detroit Lions. I love that. <laughs> Vinny, alive and well. Vinny Goodwill. I love Appreciate you, man. Man. <laughs> Appreciate you. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What a day, what a day, what a bleep bleep day, uh, Denzel Washington's character. Alonzo said in training day uh, years ago. Uh, he could be talking about the NFL trade deadline today. He could be talking about the Brooklyn Nets and their move uh, away from Steve Nash. But let's talk about football. 
We got Mike Jones here. Ian Rappaport tweeting the Broncos completed a trade. Bradley Chubb goes to the Dolphins. The Dolphins now, Mike, don't have a first round pick. They lost one for tampering with Tom Brady. They trade another one they had from San Francisco. They trade that one to Denver. In a separate move, the Broncos go out and get Jeff Wilson from the 49ers because the 49ers already traded for Christian McCaffrey. Have I lost anybody yet? <laughs> Mike, uh, make this particular deal make sense because we have others to ask you about. Well, it's quite intriguing. It looks like the Dolphins really view themselves as Super Bowl contenders, even though they're in the division with the Buffalo Bills. And I think part of the reason why you go out and get a chub is because you know you've got Josh Allen on the other side and you've got to go out there and get after him, get after the quarterback, apply pressure. That's the name of the game. They've already invested heavily on their offense, getting Tyreek Hill. Um, they add Jeff Wilson who uh, Mike McDaniel was very familiar with from his time in uh, San Francisco, but getting Bradley Chubb really for a defense that was already pretty good. Um, you're adding a former fifth overall pick, hoping that again, that can really help you get after the other quarterbacks that are in this conference from Josh Allen um, to then, you know, further out, you know, Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrows and all those, you've got to get pressure on the quarterback. And so, I don't know if they're really Super Bowl contenders, but this move looks to me like they think that they are. Yeah, I believe that they are. I mean, I mean, with this pick, the one thing about this defense, it, it regressed somewhat this year than it had in, in the previous two years when Brian Flores was there. Um, and so I don't know whether or not his absence now has had an impact on that, but the unit has definitely regressed some. But as Mike said, you got to be able to get to the quarterback. I think teams look at what happened last year when the Rams went out and got Von Miller and how he was a missing piece in terms of being able to apply that pressure on the quarterback when you get to the postseason. But I, I believe Miami um, is involved in that conversation because offensively, when Tua is healthy, they are simply so explosive. And as Mike alluded to, getting Jeff Wilson, Mike McDaniels knows him well from his time in San Francisco. Uh, Jeff Wilson was looking for a way out after Christian McCaffrey came in, believing that that running back room was a little too crowded now. And before Christian was acquired, believing that that running back room was deep enough without Christian. So from this standpoint, I... I Look, the one thing I've learned about the NFL, at least or been reminded about this year, is that you never say never and you never bet on NFL games because I can't figure this league out as I look at no what's going on every Sunday. Yeah, betting on NFL games. <clears throat> Amen on that. Uh, my bet's your money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my bet's your money coming up again on Friday. We're going to try to turn it around. Uh, Mike, I, I want to ask you about this. Can we... Uh, we talked a bit yesterday with uh, Charles Robinson. I said to Charles, I said, I can't figure out the Bears because they traded Robert Quinn for a fourth round pick. Uh, they trade Roquan Smith for a second and fifth round pick. He said, oh, it's easy. They're, they're resetting and they're going to take those draft picks and they're going to build around Justin Fields. Then today, they trade a second round pick, a team that already got rid of two great players. They trade a second round pick for a potentially great player in Chase Claypool. You're adding to the team, but you're giving up draft capital that you could be using for your rebuild. Make that make sense to me because I'm confused by the Chicago Bears. Yeah, I mean, I guess you can argue they are taking those draft picks and building around Justin Fields, just not in the way that we, you know, would have thought with using it through the draft. It is very interesting because this is this team wasn't a wide receiver away. Um, you know, this was a move, I guess they really feel like, okay, Justin Fields is the guy 
we just have to really support him and, and surround him with some veteran talent here. This is, you know, but the question is, okay, is Chase Claypool going to resign there? Um, you know, you got to really make sure that, you know, you're giving up a high pick for him. Yes. I know you had gotten a second round pick in um, exchange for uh, Smith, but still it, it's an odd move because yes, Chase. Um, uh, um, yes. They have, you know, been uh, Justin Fields has been improving the last couple of weeks in the passing game. But still, the Bears are not there yet. And now that you've already stripped down your defense, um, I just don't quite get uh, what they're doing. But I guess they look at their division and feel like, okay, uh, it's a down year for Green Bay. Um, the Lions aren't going anywhere. We just got to try to see if we can make a little bit of noise. But still, losing two strong defensive players uh, doesn't really bode well for uh, a, a postseason run. Yeah, I know, Michael, you're not going to ask me to make sense of it because I can't. I mean, he's a good young receiver. He's not a great receiver. And as Mike alluded to, you're going to have to pay him now, um, you know, bringing him in and giving up a number two. So I don't I don't get it. I, I mean, I know you want to put weapons around Justin Fields. But look, this is a rebuild for the Bears, and it's going to take more than one season or two, I believe, to get it right. So, um, I, yeah, I can't explain it, so don't ask. Do, do, do you guys see, and this is for both of you, uh, start with you, Mike. Do you see uh, any teams, or, or I'll say it this way, did anything happen in the last couple of days, whether it's Roquan Smith going to the Ravens or this Bradley Chubb move uh, to the Dolphins or, or even McCaffrey to the Niners that makes you think or rethink your predictions from the beginning of the season? Is there a contender that has emerged where you say, ooh, I didn't have them here, but these moves make me think that maybe uh, this team could be standing there on Super Bowl Sunday. I don't know about Super Bowl Sunday, but I do think that for the Vikings getting TJ Hawkinson um, is good for them because, you know, I was just asking people around, I was like, for some reason, they just feel really unconvincing uh, to me. I don't know if it's because of Kirk Cousins or what it is, yeah. um, but, you know, but everybody I talked to said, hey, man, the NFC is down. They are a good team. Um, and, and Kevin O'Connell can still get more out of this offense than what he's gotten. Now, look, when you think about the Mike Shanahan offense that we've seen um, Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay and Matt LaFleur um, and now Kevin O'Connell run, what do they need? They need a really good tight end. So now... Kirk Cousins loved the tight end when he was in Washington. He loved uh, Kyle Rudolph when he first got to Minnesota. They haven't had a game-changing tight end. Um, now, you know, is Hawkinson game-changing? He's very talented. Um, again, I don't think this puts him, you know, there for Super Bowl Sunday, but it does strengthen their position atop the NFC North, and it makes their offense, um, you know, probably makes their offense function better, particularly on third downs. And so, again, I've been told, People, you know, insist to me they're a good team. No, they're not great, but they are a good team, and this does help them. You know, it's interesting you bring them up, Mike. I was just out there this past weekend. I ended up writing a column afterwards saying, how good are the Vikings? I have no idea after watching them play. As you say, they are a good team. They are not a great team. They're, they've won five in a row, and each of those five have been by one possession, which speaks to two things. Either you're in survival mode, um, and it does not speak to, 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 to dominance. And I think that's part of the reason we can't get a handle on them uh, from that standpoint. The other one is Kirk Cousins. When you talk to people, they wonder how Kirk is going to play in those big-time games or primetime games and whatnot. Um, but I can tell you this, and talking to the players in that locker room, 
the one thing that they said to me was, let everyone else keep talking about other teams. We're good with that because all it means is we're going to come back to work each week, put in the work, keep stacking wins, and they'll be talking about us when it matters most. So there's a lot of confidence there, and I'll leave you on this. One assistant coach I asked before the game, I said, just how good is this team? And he said to me, as good as we need to be. And that's kind of the Vikings. You know, they don't go out and dominate you. They just find a way to win. And I don't think you can knock a team for winning the games that are on its schedule. Now, they got some tough ones coming up uh, down the road here. But for now, the Vikings are loving it that we're not talking about them. I tell you, team, we are talking about Mike, and I, I can't stand this team. I'm just, I'm just going to just be transparent. I root against them, uh, uh -oh. and they're, they're not as bad as I want them to be, as I need them to be. They won last night, the Cleveland Browns, I'm... <laughs> and, and I'm just looking at them. Uh, you know, I'm just against them. Okay, I'm against the Browns. Fine, and and we've gone over it's well, it's well traveled, well documented. You know why? A lot of people in Cleveland know why I'm against them. It has to do with the quarterback who's been suspended for 11 games. But if I look at them, it's not necessarily about the Browns. It's about the league as a whole. And I know the league put out a statement on this on how close the games have been and how no one is truly awful. <clears throat> Mike, if you look, at the, you look at the NFL and you have to just say, these teams are hopeless. How long are you talking before that, that, you know, that, that list stops? Is it two teams? Is it three? Probably not even more than three, right? Yeah, I don't think more than three. It is just a weird, weird year. You know, I, I even last night, I had no, I had no doubt in my mind that Cincinnati was going to win that game. Um, you know, and they come in there, and, and you know, they look awful, and the Browns win. And I had felt like, you know what, this Browns team, it doesn't matter when Deshaun Watson gets back. They just, you know, they're not it. They're not right. Um, but. Who knows, man? I mean, they do have some players that they're waiting to get healthy. Um, you know, Jacoby Brissett, sometimes he falls really short. Other times he does just enough to get by. That's what they wanted was him to help them tread water um, until uh, Watson gets back. And so, you know, there's going to be an adjustment period when Watson gets back um, because he hasn't played, you know, in almost, you know, two years. Uh, but, but I don't know exactly what to make of them. Uh, they do have a great run game. They've got great pass rushers, uh, but still they're in the AFC where there's a couple teams that are elite and then there's just everybody else. And I don't know that they can really jump up enough when Watson gets back. Yeah, you know this, Michael. Styles make fights and the Browns and Bengals being in the same division. I believe that, that, that the Bengals are winless under Joe Burrow against the Browns. So That's for right. whatever reason, right. again, Styles make fights. Some teams play better against other teams. I think Cleveland's kind of dangerous when Deshaun comes back, to be truthful with you, because if they can hang around like this with Jacoby, and knowing there were a couple of games they, they gave away early, a couple of defeats they have that they gave away, um, it is that type of year in the NFL where I don't rule anything out with anyone. I will say in the AFC, it, it is clear, at least in my opinion, that there are two teams and then there are everyone else. But to say that either of those teams couldn't lose on a given Sunday in January, I, I won't go that far. Um, I think it's going to be a fascinating playoffs uh, because it will be so wide open. Hey, uh, you know, Trotter brought this up earlier, Mike, and I know uh, both of you 
know these uh, these types of uh, coaches much better than than I do and the, that our, our listeners and viewers do. I'm just curious about your, your take on two firings that have happened uh, in the last couple of days. Detroit Lions fired a defensive backs coach. Okay, they're one mm-hmm. and six. And I, I heard Lions fired, and I started thinking about all kinds of people. Uh, I did not have on my, on my bingo sheet defensive backs coach got to go. So they fired defensive backs coach. Indianapolis Colts fired their offensive coordinator a week after they surprisingly pulled the plug. Just a week after they pulled the plug. And a guy who doesn't call plays. And a guy who doesn't call plays. And they they fired the OC. So uh, you and Trotter, I I want you to be in conversation on this because whatever you say is going to make us all smarter. It's scapegoat season. Seriously, yep. that is all it is right now. And I mean, come on. If you think Aubrey Pleasant was the reason why the Detroit Lions can't stop anybody in the red zone, then you are crazy. Um, you know, look, talk to anybody in the league that's familiar with Aubrey Pleasant, and they will tell you he is a grinder. He is very smart. He is very talented. Um, you know, he was working with those young guys. There were some clashes early on, but they were buying in uh, to what he was teaching them. There was growth out of that. Now, look, they have a lot of issues. But Aubrey Pleasant was not the one. He is not the defensive coordinator. Um, he is not uh, Dan Campbell, uh, who is overseeing this thing. And then, like you said, uh, Trotter, about Indianapolis, this is Frank Wright's mess. He's the one who calls the plays. He's the one who's gone through 50 million different quarterbacks, um, you know, since he's been there. You know, the offensive coordinator, that's not going to fix anything right there. And so, again, it is them, both head coaches, trying to deflect trying to find somebody to blame for this um, and make it look like they're doing something to get to the bottom of things. And I don't think that the results are going to change. Now, and you know this too, Michael Holly, where I'm going to go with this thing. Why you got to fire the black coaches, right? Well, I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, don't we have enough working against us right now that you're going to make us scapegoats for situations that we don't have control over? That's what bothers me too in this situation, because now you put a, sort of an asterisk on these guys' names as they go out to get that next job, if they're trying to climb that professional ladder, which we know they are. I just think it's unfair, you know? And and Dan, look, for instance, Anthony Lynn, when he was with the Chargers, one of the reasons he got fired is because he was loyal to his assistants. They wanted change. He wouldn't make change. To me, that shows the character of Anthony Lynn. For Dan Campbell and Frank Reich to do this, it shows, in my opinion, in my opinion, shows a lack of character yeah. on their part that they're going to throw their assistance under the bus. Mm-hmm. Yep, preach, preach. It's exactly oh, no, it's, what it it's, is. It, no, it's a, it's it's a it's a great point, and you know, I didn't know that. Uh, tell me just a little bit more about Anthony Lynn, just uh, just to, to to really flesh this thing out and give people context. So they wanted him to fire, say, uh, you know, special teams coach, defensive coordinator, or something. Yes. And he w- he refused to do it. Let me tell you this. Their special teams were atrocious, right? George Stewart was a special teams coach. George Stewart was sort of a mentor to Anthony Lynn when Anthony Lynn got into coaching um, and even as a player. And so obviously the pressure is on whether it is implied or, or overtly said you need to make a change. You know as a coach when pressure is coming from above that people are looking for change. He would not do that. He did not do that. And, two, you know, and things didn't get better. And Anthony Lynn ends, ends up losing his job. So, um, but to me, I thought that showed character on his part. People could say it was stupid on his part. He should have tried to save himself. Mm-mm. But no, 
he's going to take care of the people who have taken care of him and been loyal to him and whatnot. And that speaks to his character. And for Frank Reich to do this and, and for Dan Campbell to do this, in my opinion, shows the lack of character and commitment and loyalty to these men who have been going through it with them because this is not on them. It's not on them. You know, one doesn't call plays on offense and the other one is a secondary coach, as you say. That's not on them for the team struggling the way that they're struggling. Yeah, it's such a tough, it's such a tough position to be in. Um, you know, you have an assistant coach. You know, you're under the radar anyway. You know, you, uh, your head coach or your, your defensive coordinator, somebody, your quarterback is getting uh, a lot of the credit when you put in the work. And then when things break down, the last thing you expect is to be the face of it when most people didn't even know who you were in the first place. <laughs> like, so you're right, Trotter, when they go for that next job, and a lot of owners don't know the details. They don't know the weeds of exactly. coaching. They say, well, you got fired, so you must have been part of the problem in Detroit. Don't make me the face of the Detroit Lions that wanted to Exactly. And I'm just a small oh. cog in the machine. Anyway, a big cog in this operation is Mike Jones. Always appreciate hearing from you, brother. Thanks for stopping by. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate you, Mike. See you guys. Good to see you. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. You know, Jim Trotter, about 14 years ago, my life flashed in front of me. My wife was sitting next to me at a basketball game and said, my water just broke. And I knew I was going to be a dad officially. My son Robinson was born. 14 years ago today. So happy birthday, Robinson. Good for him. And my life changed. Amen. Happy birthday. Ain't been the same since. Thanks for hanging out. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.